It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everyone? It is Saturday night. I had to check myself there, Ryan. It feels like a Friday for some reason. Not used to all this, these Monday night football games. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. Like I said, it is Saturday night. We decided to go a little late night, Ryan. Change it up a little bit. Yeah, you know, shout after dark or whatever we called it earlier tonight. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I guess you, actually our normal time is after dark, too, because it gets dark at like 4.30 p.m. now. But, you know, in theory, late night, that's what we're talking about here. So a lot of good football talk here to have uh, a few ga- a few days before this game with the 49ers. Yeah, it's such an important game um, in, in so many different ways that we're going to get into tonight. Um, but I'm Matt Perino. If this is your first time here, thank you for joining us. He is Ryan Talbot. Like we said, this is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, and we are going to dive deep into this uh, – <laughs> matchup I'm, I'm looking at some of the comments pj's got his pajamas on i got my pajamas on too man i got the backwards hat on tonight uh just you know it's a casual saturday night i mean i'm gonna go watch some you know what we just started watching ryan uh the outsider on hbo oh i've heard good um, things very good very it's stephen king so it's 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 a little bit um you know uh scary uh, my wife is a little bit scared. She wants to make sure all the doors are locked. It's a fun little exercise that we go through uh, every night. Uh, PJ also mentions that he's here for the Tops commercials. My man, thank you for reminding me. We are the Shout Football Podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Um, I actually we I picked up some uh, hamburger meat from uh, – what, what do you do, Ryan? What do you do, 85%, 90%? What, what do you do when you get the ground beef? I try to get actually the 93 lean. Ooh, look at yeah. you. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes go for 85 just because I, I kind of like a little bit of uh you know juice on the grill, get it get it going a little bit. Uh, but had some great burgers this afternoon. My my son, uh my that's another thing. Sharing all these things with your kids, you know, playing some football on the weekend, grilling some burgers in the middle of December in western New York. It's 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 a good time to be alive, even though we're you know, in the middle of a pandemic and everything. But, you know, how are you, my friend? I know you were sick a little bit last week. It's It, it seems like you're feeling better. Yeah, I, I kicked it. You know, I took every over-the-counter, you know, medication you could for that, nasal decongestant, gone. Happy Beautiful. to be here. Got a nice Christmas card from the Perino family today. Thank ah. you. Beautiful, beautiful card. So, yeah, feeling good, having a, a nice little weekend here. So, ready to go. It's going to be fun to watch, you know, a full slate of NFL action tomorrow uh, without the Bills playing. Get a chance to maybe catch up on some other teams, uh, you know, where we don't really get to do that a whole lot during the year. This thing kind of, you know, we hit the ground running every Sunday, all Bills all the time. Uh, so we'll get to enjoy that. But there is a Bills game that we have to talk about. It is Monday night, 8.15 p.m. on ESPN and locally on ABC, the Buffalo Bills and the San Francisco 49ers. And this is an interesting one because I think over the last couple of weeks with some of these other matchups that the Bills have had on, on their schedule, 
you talk about Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Without Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle, it's almost like you kind of look off into the di- distance that San Francisco 49ers team and say, you know, there's there's bigger fish to fry uh, on this schedule. But then all of a sudden you get here, and this is still the San Francisco 49ers team with a lot of the same pieces that went to that Super Bowl last year and a, and a head coach in Kyle Shanahan that's figured out a way to get this offense moving with Nick Mullins, who we're going to talk a little bit about. I mean, this is this is setting up to be a lot more difficult of a game that I think maybe people were even anticipating two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people are looking ahead to that Pittsburgh Steelers game, but this game's going to be tough. Uh, <laughs> there are some 49ers fans, and I saw our, our friend Sal mention it, but I, I've seen it in my mentions as well. A lot of fans feel that Nick Mullins might be the uh, better quarterback as my cat comes crossing through on schedule here. Um, I'm telling you, like every show now. uh, Think that Nick Mullins might be the better quarterback for this offense between the two of them. So there's not really a steep decline between Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins. And you you can't say that for most teams in the NFL. Usually there's a big drop off from your starter to your backup. Not necessarily the case here. Now, George Kittle being out, huge for the Bills. But they still have Raheem Mostert. They still have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. They have a ton of talent on that offense. And the defense is kind of playing pretty well, too. So it's not going to be a walk in the park. Uh, It's going to be a tougher game than I think some anticipate. But I, I also like the Bills in this matchup for a variety of reasons. Yeah, we'll get into the reasons as we move along this this show. And if you have questions, if there's something specific about this matchup you'd like us to touch on, you know, we're going to get into a whole host slew of, of, of things on this show, uh, some storylines, some matchups, some different things that we like, and then obviously the prediction at the end. But if there's anything that you specifically want, put it in the comment section and we will hit it as we go along. But I want to start off with Josh Allen. And, you know, we're coming off of a game, Ryan, where – you know, I think that it was a good thing that the Bills were able to establish the run a bit, uh, get Devin Singletary going, get Zach Moss going a little bit. And for a big stretch before last week where it was a struggle to do that. And so you saw Josh Allen in this passing a game kind of take a back seat last week, only 24 passing attempts. We've gotten we've grown, grown accustomed to, you know, at least 30 per game for most of this season. So it was a different vibe. But the Bills really controlled that game. It wasn't until the fourth quarter when the turnover started popping up, three turnovers, in fact, in the span of eight snaps, that where the game even kind of you know, became somewhat um, close. And so now you look ahead to this week and you look at the defense that Josh Allen and this Bills offense is going to be facing. And it's a defense without a few big pieces from last year. I mean, you think about Nick Bosa, who was, you know, the Bills just saw his brother Joey last week. And so the lineage there, the 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 Bosa family name looms large in the in the NFL. Uh, DeForest Buckner, who was a, a force on the interior last year. Um, those two pieces are not going to be there. DeForest Buckner, obviously now in Indianapolis. But you're seeing them manufacture, you know, pressure and uh, disruption in other ways. We saw last week Javon Kinlaw, the rookie that we spent a little bit of time, you know, in the offseason talking about as maybe a potential target for the Bills um, if he were to fall. Because if you remember, his his draft stock was starting to spike as we got closer and closer to the draft. Uh, A guy that, you know, people loved and thought that he was going to be a playmaker. He made a big play last week. Um, But I think for in this game, you look at Josh Allen and – 
what he is going to be working with and working against. Number one, first and foremost, I went back and listened to Sean McVay's post-game press conference. The, the Niners beat the Rams 23-20 last week, and he basically called out Jared Goff and says, our quarterback has to take care of the ball. And this is coming off a week where Sean McDermott's quarterback didn't take care of the ball. So if he's not able to do that on the road against a good defense, it could it could it could be a problem. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I mean, th- that's every single week in this NFL, but especially against a good defense like this. You're right. They're missing some pieces from that Super Bowl team one year ago, but there's still talent in all three phases. Um, there's a guys like Fred Warner. There's guys in the secondary that are really good that will take advantage of, of any mistakes that Josh Allen makes. So if that happens, that can lead to some points for the 49ers. And that's similar to what happened in that uh, Tennessee Titans game earlier this year. The turnovers, the field position, it got Buffalo in a hole that they could not come back from. So, you know, you don't want it to be deja vu all over again in that situation with the turnovers. It's important that Josh Allen protect the ball now. Uh, I think that Allen it has a good opportunity in this game to – um, hit up especially one wide receiver, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But if they can also show some more balance, like you mentioned, get that run game going, keep the defense on its heels, I, I think that Allen could have another very efficient game and, and have a game where maybe we don't see those head-scratching turnovers. The San Francisco 49ers got back Richard Sherman last week, and he comes back in his first game since week one, gets an interception. Uh, you know, he's one of the best in the game and there's no way around it. He is going to be opportunistic. He's going to take advantage if there's a mistake made in his part of the field. But I think what, you know, to your point at all three levels, I mean, they have playmakers. I mean, uh, Greenway last week, you watch that Rams game and he just keeps popping with big plays It's speed coverage ability at the linebacker spots, uh, the ability to rush the passer. I mean, uh, they lose Nick Bosa and, you know, who do they bring in that carry Hyder jr. Uh, who's having himself a career year this year, but he's he's a problem. He's somebody that uh, on the edge uh, they're going to have to concern themselves with. So um, it's just a situation where I think Josh Allen has to continue to be composed. And I think if you're a Bills fan, you sit back and you think back to some of the national TV games earlier this year and even the Houston playoff game last year with all eyes on the quarterback and all eyes on the offense and some struggles in those games. And you hope that maybe Josh Allen can kind of reach into the bag of memories and pull out some of those ones from, you know, that Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving game. But even then we're not talking about the level of defense that he's going to face on Sunday. No, I agree with that completely. A lot of talent in that 49ers defense, but I really think that Brian Dable has done a great job this year against every defense that he's seen in terms of, game planning for their talents, attacking the, the defenses in weak spots, uh, taking advantage of some over-aggressiveness at times like we, we saw uh, with, with some screen passes, well-timed screen passes at times. So uh, I, I feel like Buffalo is going to be well-prepared for this matchup. I still think that they have a, a lot of things that they can do on both sides of the ball uh, to rattle Nick Mullins defensively, but on offense to also move the ball up and down the field. Let's get into that one because I'm going to go to the comments a little bit as we go here. And that's one of the big things that we've been talking about all week, you know, in the social circles is the importance in this game. And I saw it mentioned in the comments here of stopping the run because with Raheem Mostert and and Jeff Wilson, they have two guys that are downhill, absolutely 
blistering fast running backs, but what stood out to me watching them is that they don't shy away from contact. They use their speed to initiate the physicality. And so if you're not up to the task at the linebacker position at, in the secondary, in terms of tackling you, they can really you know, hurt you. I mean, Kyle used check their big fullback. He's, he's unbelievable when he's on the field. I was listening to Greg Cosell on a couple of spots this week. I was watching NFL matchup and, and then he did some, some San Francisco for uh, radio. And he was talking about when, you know, the, on that show, what do the bills do schematically when use check is on the field? Because, you know, it, it's kind of a tell they're probably going to run. I know he can catch the ball to the backfield, but in their, you know, traditional nickel package with Taron Johnson, you know, it's, it could be a struggle at times to, to deal with this running game. Yeah. Uh, Moster, I know he wasn't that impressive last week against the Rams, but this is a guy that's still averaging over five yards per carry, averaged over five yards per carry last year. He's the real deal. Uh, he's going to be tough to bring down, like you said. Same thing with Jeff Wilson. Uh, Bill's defensive line has to be stout. Now, the good news is we did see a very good run defense last week against the Chargers. Austin Eckler coming back from an injury of his own. Uh, he's no slouch. He's, a, he's one of the most talented backs, uh, you know, dual threats running back uh, who can also catch the ball. But they they limited him. They limited Joshua Kelly to about 3.2 yards per carry between the two of them. So you're hoping that just like we're starting to see some more success uh, getting after the quarterback, then maybe we're starting to see this defensive line and that front seven figure out things in run defense as well. So this is a huge test for them because things don't get easier. You have a Pittsburgh Steelers team that can run. Uh, you have a Denver Broncos team that's going to run. A New England Patriots team that pretty much that's all they can do offensively is run the ball. That's including with their quarterback. So Buffalo's run defense has to be pretty stout in this final stretch of the season, and it starts on Monday night football against the 49ers. There's a comment in here about Brian Winters, and we're going to get to the offensive line. So, Justin, stick with me. I'm, I'm going to bring that up in a little while. But one thing I want to cover, too, early on here as we move through, you know, we have a bunch of things. We're going to talk about Matt Milano. We're going to talk about these linebackers. We're going to talk about Gabriel Davis and, and, and John Brown still being out um, all later in the show, uh, some matchups as well. But the line movement this week has been really interesting, Ryan. It's now – it opened as the Bills as a three-point favorite – it's now moved. So much public mon money has come in on the Niners. They are now minus one as we sit here on Saturday. I guess to start off with, you start thinking about it. What, do you think it's the the few days here that we've had to mull on the you know knocking off the Rams, who I think many experts were starting to talk about Super Bowl. Uh, when it comes to the Rams and, and Sean McVay and and what they're doing out in Los Angeles, do you think it's that starting to marinate, or do you think that there's questions uh, about this Buffalo Bills team even as they sit here at eight and three? Yeah, you know, I, w I wish I did have the answer for that question. I, th I think it's very interesting the fact that the Bills are now the underdogs in this game. It was an impressive win for the 49ers, but they had to come back in that game. The Rams uh, built a nice lead, and then they couldn't finish. Uh, Buffalo hasn't been able to finish any games this year, to be quite honest. They've kept up almost every team in, in every game. So maybe they're looking at it in the fact that the Bills haven't been able to put away teams. Maybe the fact that the Bills have to travel across the country. Uh, maybe the fact that the 49ers are simply getting healthy again in a lot of in the right spots with, with Mostert, with Richard Sherman, which with a lot of those other pieces on, on defense as well. So 
I'm not quite sure why. I don't think it necessarily has to do with, with the Bills because the Bills are still playing good football. They're very healthy if you look at the injury report. Uh, minus John Brown, obviously. Matt Milano potentially returning in this game. So I, I think it just has more to do with the 49ers and the Bills in general. But that's still a big swing in terms of going from, you know, uh, plus three to – or, yeah, um, minus three to plus one. Um, PJ asks, how do you foresee the Bills offense attacking, you know, this 49er defense? Because, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about is how the Bills kind of shifted a little bit last week in terms of how they approach that game, especially against the Chargers defense that I don't think, you know, while Joey Bosa is a, a obviously a formidable foe, I don't think that, you know, that, that defense was one where, I was, I'd be afraid to throw it against them. I think that they went in off the bye, wanting to establish the run a little bit. They did that, uh, you know, by any means necessary. Um, I think this is a game, despite the advantages that maybe San Francisco has in different matchups, depending on where you look, I still think this is a game where you, you rely on Josh Allen to go out there and make plays. And I think that they're going to want to try to get the, the running game going, but I also want to see, you know, maybe some improvement on this offensive line. And maybe this could be a nice transition to talk about uh, Brian Winters. Um, I think that that one area last, last week that they struggled was in pass protection. And I wonder how much that might have had to do with the shifting of the game plan in the second half, specifically in that third quarter, getting the run game going as they were struggling to block for Josh Allen. If you struggle to block for Allen in this game and he's, he's forced to deal with consistent pressure all game, not only is that a bad thing, but that's when those turnovers can potentially creep in. Yeah. And you know, not blocking, Joey Bosa in, in general is usually a, a bad uh, omen as well. And that's exactly what happened when they brought Matt Barkley in for a snap. Uh, you know, premier elite uh, defensive ends, edge rushers, they're going to win matchups, bottom line. But last week, the Bills could not stop Bosa. They were they were getting beat, though, a lot in that game. Josh Allen was facing a lot of heat, a lot of pressure. Now, there were certain plays where Allen was trying to do a little bit too much, such as the play where he kind of hurt that ankle. Uh, or the knee, we saw him come back in the second half with that knee brace on under under the uh, under the pants. So it, the Bills need to be better on the offensive line. We we know this. We've talked about this, and the weak link is Brian Winters. And you know you've done a really good job mentioning it week after week. Um, we we kind of get the same response from from Sean McDermott, but at the same time, something has to give there. Yeah, and like somebody asked me this week, like, you know, are we still going to get Brian Winters this week? And, you know, because of the way things are 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 now at practice, we're not really able to divulge the information that we're seeing. It's a lot like training camp where, you know, if I'm seeing a specific person lining up at, at first team, second team, I can't really talk about it. But what I can say or report it, but what I can say is I do think that there might be some – consideration for changing things up. I don't know what that could look like, or I, maybe I do, but I can't talk about it. Um, but I, I might say like, you know, maybe sit back and, and, and see if maybe they don't go with a different look on, on Monday night. Uh, we'll definitely have you covered. Make sure you're following us on social media. Um, although I just thought about this, we will not be in San Francisco. So it'll be, I'll, I'll have to see if I can get some boots on the ground there to watch some warmups as, uh, as they get, start going through these things. But, to your point, Brian Winters, you know, it doesn't take a 
savant, a football savant to recognize the, that he's struggling in a lot of areas. I mean, just miss blocks, guys getting through a lot of the disruption that seems to be happening, happening seems to consistently be in his area of the line. And, you know, I think that there was even a play last week where he got out on, uh, I, I believe it was a screenplay and it looked like he completely just missed his block, like whiffed on the block, like with just whiffed on the, you know, the setting, like just where he was in the field and what his responsibility was. And, you know, I asked Brian Dable about that this week. I asked Sean McDermott about that and Justin brought it up and obviously noticed my diligence because I'm, I'm interested to know, okay, nine starts here. Now there must be something happening that, that, that you are, that that's, that's telling you that you should continue to trot him out there at that spot, or he's your best option. And they seem to believe that, you know, and again, they're not going to trash Brian Winters. They're not going to dra- trash one of their guys that, you know, yeah, he's playing terrible or he's not very good. Of course not. But the fact that they still think that he's adding something to me, Ryan, is a little bit concerning. But at the same time, something important to note: We don't know everything. We don't see everything. And this is something that was happening with AJ Klein, where a lot of us, you know, and on the media side, and, you know, fans watching at home, they're like, man, this AJ Klein is playing terrible. Like, is there not any other better option? Remember the Darren Lee, uh, you know, saga as the Bills were, you know, getting ramping things up to sign him. It was like, get Darren Lee in here, get him on the field, get AJ Klein off the field. And now we've seen AJ Klein play so well, you know, to the point now where he's the reigning AFC defensive player of the week. And there might be something happening behind the scenes that we're just not seeing. It's possible. It's possible that they're seeing that someone else is missing an assignment and Winters is going over to help or, yeah, I can't explain it. But when I watch him, it looks like he's getting pushed backwards. It looks like he's out of position. He's getting beat. He's really struggling in both uh, run blocking and pass blocking. Uh, and, and it makes the right side of the line, the the weak side of that line. Daryl Williams, as good as he's been, it is kind of one dimensional in terms of being a really strong or pretty strong uh, pass protector, but he even struggles a little bit against the run. So you have that on your right side. Of course, you're going to keep running to the left, running to the left. And, and that's what we've seen this year. So you're right. There might be something we're missing that we might not be seeing. Maybe they feel like, hey, we really want John Feliciano at left guard. We don't want to put him back at right guard. They might not feel comfortable with like Bucker at right guard. They might think he is a left guard. Ryan Bates, who knows? They might just like the fact to have him in the, as a backup because of that versatility and the fact that he can play all over the line. Whatever the case may be, though, to my, you know, to my eye, to your eye, to the fans' eyes, Klein has struggled. Now you have me saying Klein. <laughs> Winters has really struggled this year, uh, and I haven't seen many flashes of improved play. You're right that that screen pass that you mentioned. I went back, I, I think it's the one that was to Singletary, and Morse actually went out and had a really nice block in front of him, and then Winters just like whiffed on his, and that really could have set up something big uh, for Singletary. We're going to get into more of this game and your questions. Drop them in the comment section on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We appreciate you joining us in the live late-night Saturday edition of the Shout Podcast, but just for PJ, a quick word from our sponsor. 
Ready for football? Tops is. With ready-to-serve fan favorites, everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. All right, let's go to the San Francisco offense uh, for a little bit here. And, you know, we talked a little bit about Nick Mullins at the top of the show. And, you know, you go and watch what he does. And it's funny for a game manager, from my perspective, and I haven't watched a ton of Nick Mullins this year, it seems like he does take some chances. Like you could see a little bit of the gamer in him, like almost a little bit of a poor man's Josh Allen. I feel like sometimes he just wants to, you know, lay a pass in there and, and he took some chances last week and there were some errant passes that I think if San Francisco's in the right, right spot, I mean, they could take advantage of it. Um, it's going to start with stopping the run, but I also think that you could, you can frazzle Nick Mullins into making a mistake. Maybe two, maybe three. We'll see, but this, let's talk about this defense for a second on this front. 30 sacks through 11 games. They ranked ninth in the NFL uh, in sacks. Cool stat, too. Since week seven, the Bills put this out, uh, the defense has combined for 20, 29 sacks and takeaways. 19 sacks, 10 takeaways. That ranked second in the NFL since that time behind only the New Orleans Saints, who I think are one of the best defenses in the NFL. So this defense is playing at a very, very high level right now. And I think what they need to do is they need to continue that. They're going up against a San Francisco team that has really good, um, some good pieces on the offensive line. I think they're starting to find their center. They got Trent Williams, who is an absolute beast at left tackle. But I think that there's matchups there that they can win. And I think it's maybe this, this could be a game where you can maybe see that stat pop a, a little bit for Ed Oliver. Yeah, the Buffalo's defensive line, you know, when Eric Washington took over as defensive line coach, you knew his resume, you knew that Carolina was generally in the top five in sacks at, along the defensive line. Uh, we, we knew the talent that the Bills had at linebacker. We know that they like those delayed blitzes and they like sending members of the secondary, specifically Taron Johnson, a lot off the edge. And now we're si kind of seeing a culmination of all of it. The defensive line play has been so much better over the last few weeks against the run, and in terms of getting uh, pressure. We've talked about A.J. Klein. Tremaine Edmonds is healthy. You get Matt Milano back. If we get, if you get him back, look out. That linebacker unit could, could really be flying around the field. And we already know the secondary has been playing good football in terms of coverage, but they also get those blitzes, those time blitzes, where they get in there on the quarterback. Nick Mullins is not Russell Wilson. He is not Kyler Murray. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to ha have that escape ability that's going to break off huge plays. Now, it might happen once, and there might be a play where he gets away from pressure and, and picks up a first down with his feet, but he's not a guy that takes off and has that speed that can hurt you. I think the Bills sending pressure can rattle him, can get to him, can sack him, strip fumbles like we saw from Ed Oliver last week against Justin Herbert. Um, you mentioned it. He he likes to kind of he, – he's accurate, 67.5, I believe, percent completion percentage. Uh, but he's also six touchdowns, seven interceptions this year. He, he throws some risky passes, and sometimes they get intercepted. Now, the Bills haven't been in the right place at the right time on those tip balls that go up in the air, but we've seen Trey White uh, read quarterbacks really well these last few weeks, jump routes, make some plays. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills create a few turnovers against Nick Mullins. I think Mullins will make his fair share of plays. But this is a quarterback where I think the Bills can come in and can rattle him, just like they did Justin Herbert 
last week. Herbert was, uh, you know, I still think he's going to end up being the rookie of the year, but they had him off his game all game last week. He, throwing some errant passes, feeling that pressure. If they can do that against a quarterback like that, if they can do that against a Russell Wilson, I think they're going to be up to the task and do it against a Nick Mullins as well. Let's talk a little bit more about this this linebacking unit, uh, especially particularly for this game. So as we're sitting here now on Saturday night, um, there's nobody with an injury uh, designation on the the final Bills injury report, which is crazy. They're healthy, obviously. John Brown is on IR. Um, Matt Milano and, and Tyrell Dotson, they're still on IR, but designated to return. They could return to practice this week. Um, there's no um, indication yet if they're going to be available for Monday because the Bills actually have until Monday at 4 p.m. Uh, new rule in the CBA because of the COVID season that you know you have up until that deadline to activate your players. Uh, Shout out to Sal Capaccio for figuring that out as as usual. He's always up on the CBA stuff and uh, and, and and roster stuff. Uh, he's he's a real nerd with that stuff, uh, but in a good way. I always joke with him. Um, so we could find out on Monday whether or not Matt Milano or Tyrell Dodson will be available. And I think this is a game where you're going to want some more numbers at uh, at linebacker. And the Bills they they play about ninety percent nickel, like we mentioned earlier in the show. This is the kind of game where I feel like you might throw a curveball at this offense and, and, and maybe line up in your base a little bit more. Matt Milano is probably going to be on a pitch count even if he comes back. I asked Leslie Frazier, uh, I asked Sean McDermott about that this week. He said he basically he didn't want to you know get too much into what the, the, the timeshare would look like, but he did say, just remember, A.J. Klein's been playing and Matt Milano hasn't. And, and Leslie Frazier said it's going to be about, you know, bringing Matt Milano in, seeing how much he can do. And it, at the same time, it's not going to necessarily take away from AJ Klein. So we'll, it's so interesting. I'm very interested to see how they end up using all of this because now you have a real weapon with AJ Klein, who I think if, if you know, after the year, if, we, if everybody was being honest, AJ Klein wasn't that in the first two months of the season. No, and, and you know the the cool thing about the CBA with Matt Milano is Sean McDermott can kind of hold those cards close to his chest here until hours before kickoff, mm-hmm. and then say, "Oh, you, and I'm not saying he is going to play, but if he does play, you know the 49ers aren't going to go on specifically game plan for it." But that's that's just another weapon for the Bills. And you're right, pitch count will happen. Uh, you you probably put Milano out there on those obvious passing situations where you can have him in coverage. Now, if you think it's an obvious passing situation, you want to rush the quarterback. Milano can do it, don't get me wrong. But Klein's been really good at that, too. So ease him back into this. It's He still has a partially torn pectoral muscle. I don't think three weeks on the IR is going to heal that completely. I think it was smart to give him that time to get closer to 100%. But you want to have this guy for the final stretch, but more importantly, for the playoffs. If you get into those playoffs, you want a linebacker like that who can help you in many ways. So this is an important game. Every game is important as the Bills are looking to win the, the AFCs for the first time since 1995. But be smart about it, especially with the way Klein's playing uh, right now. So you don't have to overutilize him right out of the gate. Go check out, uh, I put up a story yesterday, you know, shameless plug, obviously, uh, New York Upstate, Syracuse.com, whichever one. Uh, you like to use and go read the linebacker story that I put up yesterday. Cause there was a interesting piece of it where I concentrated on some really cool um, perspective from AJ Klein who played with Luke Keekley, backed him up in Carolina. So he knows a little bit about middle linebacker play. And, you know, I, we basically asked him like, what's, 
what is Tremaine Edmonds fit? Because there's been some questions about maybe potentially long-term moving him to the edge, giving him a, a bit of a different role. And he basically stopped us in, in our tracks. And I think I asked him about it and somebody else did too. I can't remember, but um, he basically said he's a true middle linebacker. Everything that he could do sideline to sideline, we can see how he's making plays, especially now that he's healthy. I went and listen, I, I think pro football focus, I think that we could have a whole podcast on how to utilize their, their tools. But one thing I do like about their grading system is I think it offers you a way to, you know, maybe watch the game and then see if if your takeaways and what what you took away how that matches up with somebody else who watched the game and sometimes you're going to disagree i had a lot of disagreements on josh allen over the years i think as i've kind of come to understand their system a little bit more and and why they grade a certain way i think it's a little bit more understandable but it did definitely feel like at times that there was a little bit of an agenda there uh to kind of you know, meet with a narrative. But I think overall the grading, while I don't think it should ever be considered gospel, I think it's it's interesting to take it in and and see how it matches up. And I thought Tremaine Edmonds played really well last week. I thought it was his best game of the season, which is crazy because AJ Klein played so well and obviously was awarded for it. They they were graded out probably about the same at about 90 uh 90 overall uh in, in run tackling which is going to be huge this week against Mostert and, and Wilson and don't forget about Jarek McKinnon who they they like to sprinkle in everywhere you look in this backfield their speed we're going to get to another speed element in a minute uh but I I, I think that uh, anything else on that Ryan before you transition to your your big matchup to watch no I, th- I think that was really well set across the board and you're right when it comes to the analytics um, not just with Josh Allen, but I've seen quarterbacks have four touchdowns, zero interception games in the end. The quarterback on the opposing team ends up getting a higher grade. So it, it, there's the interceptable pass argument. There's all this other talk. So, you know, take it in, look at what the analytics say, but but also kind of sit back and say, well, listen, I, I, I know what I watched. I know what I saw. Every quarterback has some bad throws in a game, one or two. Um, but it, it, that goes for any position too, with pro football focus, you know, you can look at a game and say, I thought they played really well. And then they get a 60 for, for run blocking. If it's an offensive lineman or they get a 70 for on defense, it, it's all over the board. But what's they, what, they have what's important system. to know about that though, is that 60 is like a solid game. 70 is like a good game. And I think like 80 and above is where you start to get into like excellence. You know what I mean? And for a while, when I first started really getting familiarized with that, I didn't even, I didn't know that. I thought I saw 60 and I'm like, man, when I got a 60 in class, I absolutely <laughs> sucked. I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm sure when, when, when you got a kid coming back, talking to you about a 60 in class, you, it's not a great conversation. So I think that's where the, the big disconnect is. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I think that was perfectly said. Cole Beasley, tell us about him. He's, he's my guy to watch in this game. He is the player that I think could have a huge game uh, against this 49ers defense. If you look at the 49ers defense, one area where they are really beat up is that nickel cornerback spot. Uh, Kwan Williams or Kwan Williams is out for a few more weeks. Jamal Taylor was his backup. He tore his ACL, I believe it was last week, maybe it was two weeks ago. He's out for the season. The third option is questionable for this game, Emmanuel Mosley. So mm-hmm. they are down two players. Their third option is questionable. 
I've seen Cole Beasley go one-on-one with some really good cornerbacks, not just slot guys either. I, I go back to that Arizona game and Patrick Peterson where he froze him off the line. If you have him matched up against the number your number three option in that slot cornerback position, I think Beasley's going to win nine times out of ten off the line. Get him the ball. Get those quick passes out to him. Let him – I know he's not a huge a run after the catch guy. He usually gets a few yards dives down so he so he uh, loses that contact uh a la isaac bruce a la tory holt and those rams where you know they, they'd make plays they'd get the first downs and they'd get to the ground so they didn't take those hard hits it's smart it's smart football utilize him get him involved i think that at the end of the day you could realistically get him 10 receptions or more in this game and, and really utilize him to move the chains throughout this contest I, I love that because I feel like y- you want to get Cole Beasley going this week, especially on the heels of just like a lack of action last week for him. And I think that that's probably one of the area that was it your article. Yeah, it was your article where it was like feed Cole Beasley or uh, are Cole Beasley going to eat this week. Go, go check out Ryan's. Um, which one? Were, you put up so many stories last couple days. That was the um, things, six things to watch. Yeah, six things to watch. Um, go check it out. That, that out. He put up two stories over the last two days. Go read both of them. But one of them was was focusing on Cole Beasley, and I think that you go back to last week and where San Francisco uh, or um, Los Angeles struggled. You know, they didn't get Cooper Cup involved. I don't think he had a target in the first half. And when you have talented playmakers like that, you have to get them a ball the ball. You have to figure out a way to get them the ball. And for me, my big matchup to watch is on the other side of the ball and a, and a receiver that can then line up anywhere. And that's Debo Samuel who returned in a big way last week at double digit catches, 133 yards. He's a playmaker with the ball in his hands. They like to get it to him in the backfield. They do a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of different um, motions with him because once the ball's in his hands, the speed's there, but also the physicality. He's a, he's a really good blocker. They're going to welcome back Brandon Ayuk this week, which, Maybe it's probably going to open things up even more. I, I think I was listening this week, and don't quote me on this. They might have had one game this year, part of one game this year, where Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle were all healthy at the same time. I mean, there's the potential that this offense could get real healthy over the next couple of weeks and could be a problem if they can sneak it in the playoffs. But with Samuel, you look at how the Bills are going to have to play him. And I asked Tredavious White about this, like, okay, you got this guy that can kind of do so many things and line up so many different areas. Traditionally, a playmaker at receiver like this, you would think, okay, that's going to be Trey White's responsibility. Well, the responsibility is going to be all over the map for this guy because, you know, it, it, it's it, this is a big piece where if you can have Matt Milano back in this in, available, that gives you another athletic, fast guy that you can rely on as a tackler at least when he's healthy that's the key to this game bills have to tackle because if you let this team get second opportunities and four yard gains turn into eight yard gains and seven yard gains turn into 10 yard gains then you're giving up first downs you're letting teams sustain drives and then then you go back to where this defense was struggling earlier in the season when they couldn't get off the field go back to last week three for 16, the Chargers were on third down. The Bills have to do that again this week as much as they can, close to that number. And a big piece of that is stopping Demo Samuel. So you're going to want to see uh, Taron Johnson tackling. You're going to want to see Dean Marlowe tackling when he's out there. Another guy, we keep asking for it. We, we don't get it, but maybe Saran Neal is a guy you might be able to use in this spot. Saran Neal might be a guy you have to use in this spot. Debo Samuel is a big, big guy, and, and... – no disrespect to Taron Johnson, who I think has been playing very good football over those last uh, the last few weeks. 
I'd be very concerned about those two in a one-on-one matchup in terms of, hey, Taryn, go tackle this guy. And like you said, if you don't bring down Debo Samuel immediately, that four-yard gain, that eight-yard gain can go to the house. He's he's that kind of a freakish wide receiver. I love Debo Samuel's game. I remember when he said uh, the Buffalo Bills were his last pre-draft visit. I thought, oh, man, if you get him in Buffalo with that, with what they had last year in, in Brown and Beasley, I thought even last year that could have been a really special unit. He has all the talent in the world. He's a mismatch uh, for just about any team that he goes up against because, like you said, you can use him outside, inside, in a lot of variety of ways. So the Bills are going to have to be on their A game in that matchup. Like we said earlier, though, if you can rattle Nick Mullins, get him to throw the ball uh, half a second earlier, one second earlier, if you can get him to throw it a little bit outside like we saw with Justin Herbert throwing a few balls off of Keenan Allen's fingertips, you got to rattle those guys, get them out of sync, get them out of rhythm. If you can jam Debo Samuel at the line, little things like that can lead to some big plays, some turnovers, but it can also just lead to some three and outs, like you mentioned, and simply getting off the field. Um, question in here, uh, quick shout out on Facebook, Robert Murphy, uh, giving us a shout out from Beth Page, New York. Thank you for watching, my friend. Uh, Justin brings up AJ Epinesa, and that's something that we can t- touch on because I can't remember where I read it or or heard it, and I would love to give credit, uh, but I can't remember. But they, they had a great uh, line on this is that, this could be a situation this week where maybe AJ Evanessa and Trent Murphy are both active because you're going to want as much uh, potential rotational pieces out there to help against this, this running attack. But long-term, I do think that we start to see the shift to AJ Epinesa. I thought he played well last week again, um, probably in a bigger role. You didn't see him pop as much, but you know, I love his, um, not only his energy, but his um, pursuit when he's out on the, especially against the run. I thought, I think it was one play where he, he I can't remember if it was against the quarterback. I don't know if you remember, but where he pursued from the, he came from the, the I think it was the right side, came all the way across the field and, and made the tackle all the way across the field. Those are the kinds of plays that I feel like earn you more time. Yeah. I'm going to use that cliche high motor. He has a high motor. He's all over the field. He's flashed the last few weeks, and every every week he gets a little bit more snap, a few more snaps, some more opportunities. And I feel like it's never the the, the big play. It's never the strip fumble necessarily. Uh, it's not the interceptions. It's nothing like that. But he seems to make one or two splash plays per game, and you kind of forget about him by the end of the game. But he's out there, and he's making those plays. And I feel like he is doing a much better job in, in terms of pursuing the quarterback in terms of stopping the run and you've seen that all around game when he came out a lot of people were comparing him to at least that I read about were comparing him to Shaq Lawson saying more like Shaq Lawson during his Bills time not Shaq Lawson Clemson and, and I'm starting to see that I'm starting to see that comparison of okay this guy can stop the run he can get after the quarterback a little bit I'm starting to see those flashes and it's taking a little bit longer because there was not a traditional offseason but all of a sudden, Epinez is playing good football, and, and this draft class is having a sneaky, sneaky good year for Brendan Beam. All right, we're going to get to our prediction portion of the program here on the Saturday Night Shout. This might have to be a new thing, Ryan. We might have to do the Saturday Night Shout. We got our branding all ready to go. Uh, I'm picking the Bills in this one. Uh, I think that talent-wise, top to bottom, I think that the more talented team, I think that they have – 
a little bit more runway with the with the day later Monday game to get mentally prepared for the task at hand. Josh Allen, an extra day of preparation for this defense. And I, I think that it's almost um it's almost convenient for the Bills that they're coming off of a game where the the 49ers put their best game on tape of the season because they can dig into that and, and really try to figure out the best way to attack it. I think this will be a, a big game for Brian Dable to uh, figure out how to utilize all the weapons. And, and Gabriel Davis, to me, is the key. Can he play that John Brown role if he gets more targets? Or, you know, if we start to see Stephon Diggs maybe uh, be a little bit more effective this week playing alongside him, uh, all those little pieces of this game, I think, are important. I think the Bills will have a balanced attack. I think they'll end up throwing the ball more than 30 times. I think Josh Allen will take care of the football, and I think the Bills will win 27-20. to 20. I have the Bills winning 31-23, to 23, more balanced attack. Uh, I see Moss and Singletary going for about 130 on the ground combined against a very good 49ers defense. But we saw those flashes, and I, I saw a stat out there today um, and I'm blanking on her name. It's Michelle something. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said that for every 10 carries about that, or for every, yeah, 10 carries that Devin Singletary gets, or maybe it's actually five, he breaks off one 10 plus uh, yard run. And Zach Moss is in the top, like 10 of those rankings as well. It's just the fact that they don't get that workload. I think we're going to start seeing a more balanced offense there. Gabriel Davis made some really good catches last week, going up, getting the ball in that uh, free play jumping up and, and getting a ball in another play for the Bills. So he flashed a little bit. And I think we're going to see the Bills win this for another reason, too, and that's special teams. Andre Roberts, maybe the unsung hero of this Bills roster in 2020. Um, good reason that he is first in the AFC and in, in return specials for the Pro Bowl. He's been phenomenal. I, I, bold prediction, at least one 40-yard return. Uh, on Monday night in prime time to set up the Bills with great field position. I'm not going to say taking it to the house. It's so hard to do, but at least one 40-yard return in this game to set the Bills up for one of their scores. Fifth in average starting field position this season, 31.3-yard line uh, per possession. That is just special stuff. And you know, for the you go back to the summer and the conversations about the the need to keep Andre Roberts and there's a lot of people with their chest out right now. Uh, these last uh, you know couple months as, as Andre Roberts has been a huge piece of what the Bills have been able to do. So both of us got the Bills. It's going to be fun uh, covering some Monday Night Football. Uh, this is. Well, the Kansas City game was kind of Monday Night Football. It was like 5 o'clock. doesn't really count. We got this one. Next week is Sunday Night Football against Pittsburgh. Three weeks we got uh, at New England um, on Monday night once again. So a lot of primetime football for your Buffalo Bills over the next couple weeks. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Uh, Thank you so much for all your participation. We always appreciate it so much. Make sure you find us on all the audio platforms, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, wherever you do listen to your podcast, subscribe and take a screenshot of that. Email it to me, mperino at nyup.com. And that will automatically place you in a Bills game day Zoom with yours truly and Mr. Ryan Talbot. We're doing those every game day. As a matter of fact, it's a good reminder, Ryan. I got to start putting together Mondays as we as we get to our, our next one going here. Uh, check out, uh, I'll be on the pregame show tomorrow. We'll have a pregame show on Channel 4 if you're local in Buffalo. It also streams. I usually tweet out that link uh, over with the guys, Josh Reed, Thad Brown, Sal Capaccio, um, Tim Graham, Heather, Heather Prusak. It's an awesome time. And then we'll also have a pregame show on Monday night at 7. Uh, we'll have the Shout podcast after the game. 
Final thought, Ryan Talbot. You know, you kind of started covering it. This is Buffalo's big test coming up over these next four weeks, showing that they are ready to be a legitimate team in front of a national audience. Monday night football this week, Sunday night football against the Steelers. Even that Saturday game against the Broncos at 430 is a nationally televised game. You go to then against the Patriots on Monday night. Four of their last five games are going to be played with everyone watching them. The Bills need to show up, show out, and show that they are a legitimate team in the AFC. There it is. We will see you on Monday night. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Saturday night. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. Enjoy some football tomorrow. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win.